This is Straight Talk for Mental Health. Okay, well, welcome back to Straight Talk for our Mental Health. It has been so long since we did any podcast, and there's been so many changes. Uh, we are now KG and Associates. So earlier this year, I hired a individual therapist specialist, Janice D'Souza. So hi, Janice. Hi, Karen. How are you? Great. I'm good. I know it's been snowing this week. I don't know. We went from like summer to winter in like a matter of days, but I'm thrilled to have you on the call and all the podcasts moving forward. It's going to be Janice and I talking about what's going on in the world, what's going on in our community and what's coming up in our work with our clients that we think would be so important for people to know about so this is uh, this is going to be our new gig, Janice. So welcome aboard. I'm so proud to have had you on the team, and uh, I'm excited to have these uh, conversations with you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. What I wanted to talk to you about today, like we are what almost into December of 2022, and uh, we are coming up to hard to believe the three-year mark since the whole pandemic started, what, February, March of 2020. And um, I know when I hired you, I what I really wanted to uh, have you look at in our practice were the students. Um, so children, teenagers, young adults, um, because it's a big part of our work in helping students through all these transitions that they go through at such tender ages. So I want to talk to you today about what you have been seeing and noticing uh, and learning about the students you've been working with through all of these phases of the pandemic. Like, I don't know, why don't, why don't we start right at the very beginning um, in 2020 and what, what you hear students talking about or what they experienced? Right. So I think back in 2020, the whole shift with the pandemic and moving online, a huge piece was navigating those changes for students, almost because they were in class every day, seeing peers, having those social interactions face-to-face, -face, working face-to-face -face with teachers, and then suddenly it's like, boom, everything is online. So a huge portion of that was just that transition into now we're in this virtual world, classes are remote, you're not getting to see your friends, you're not getting to go out as much. So I definitely think that was a huge change that took place. And then pretty much throughout the two years of the pandemic, when they were navigating that, now this year being back to school, there's another change for them. Now it's gone from the other way around. Now it's, okay, how do I get back to these social interactions? How do I get back to the face-to-face -face meeting peers, meeting teachers? How do I get up every morning, get dressed, go to school? So it's all those changes. And I think a huge change that I was definitely noticing uh, this fall with many students was a lot of struggles around time management, as well as just getting back to that consistent routine. They struggled a lot also with kind of getting back to a consistent sleep schedule. A lot of things I heard was sleep schedules were thrown off because the timings were so different. You were just kind of rolling out of bed, mm -hmm. starting class. Um, mm -hmm. So that definitely affected some stuff there. Social anxiety now being back to face-to-face -face interactions. A lot of academic pressures just to do well, just to do better, especially some students who felt like or did fall behind in the past couple of years. Um, some procrastination, and I'd say overall a lot of less energy as well, just mm -hmm. given the whole situation. 
Right, right. I mean, if we just break that down into the parts, I mean, when it happened in 2020, you know, it's kind of like, this is going to be like the social experiment of the century, isn't it? Because this had never happened before in such a massive, unexpected, immediate way. I mean, I remember... I, I think I was traveling at the end of January that year. We started getting bits and pieces of it, but we never really took it seriously. I know we were traveling and, you know, there was no panic to get home. We didn't feel it. But I remember the week that my daughter's university closed, like that mid-March, you know, date. And I remember at that time thinking, holy cow, this is like really serious. It's really going to happen. Like, Never before, you know, uh, this was at Western University. When has Western closed its doors? And next thing I know, you know, all the students are moving home. So it's uh, it was such an unexpected change. I mean, as humans, we don't do well with change to begin with. And when it's unexpected and so massive, it, it was just, uh, you know, life changing for everybody. So I think what I remember you saying near the beginning of that was um, all of a sudden, you know, in-person goes virtual. And so I assume for a lot of students you worked with, that just meant they're on their computers, in their bedrooms, um, which I guess in some ways, a lot of that student population, they're used to gaming, you know, virtually, but all of a sudden their learning was virtual. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was like almost everything ended up being technology at that point in time, communicating with friends, school, video gaming on the side. So it was like we're in this virtual reality now, really. Exactly. And it's like their world's completely shrunk, right? Yes. And I suppose for some people who had pre-existing anxiety, I remember thinking and, and talking to people that for students who were socially anxious before COVID, they found almost like it was too comfortable for them to be in their bedrooms because they preferred that anyway. And so it was like, I remember people saying to me, oh no, this actually is helping me avoid all my social mm -hmm. situations because I don't have to be out there but it was almost like indulging the anxiety by giving yeah. them like the only, only thing they had to do was like show up and like, like log on, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's why I kind of noticed it would have been a bit harder as well for those students who had the pre-existing anxiety, because now when the whole shift came to being back in school, it was, there was new, like, it was almost like a double up on the, the pre-existing pre-existing anxiety because yes they had it and for two years like you said it was indulging in it so they were all constantly at home but now it's like how do I navigate going back making those new friends forming those new relationships having to go back to school so it was almost definitely their levels of anxiety had heightened for sure yeah I I complete I love what you're saying like the double double take you know because when you've got that added layer of, of the universe just saying, okay, so you'd rather isolate? Okay, you can isolate. And it's like there was no pressure to socialize. Um, harder for the extroverts, right? Um, and too comfortable uh, for people with anxiety. So it was almost like getting squeezed in from both sides. 
Absolutely. So what happened with your more extroverted students in terms of, uh, if we just kind of isolate that population, you talked about a number of things like time management and sleep and, and kind of socializing and all of that. Like what, what did you see if we, if we separated out kind of the pre-existing anxiety students with the more extroverted um, and we just look at that, that second uh, demographic in terms of students who um, benefited uh, socially uh, from social interaction. What happened to those students in the, that first phase of the pandemic? Yeah, so I definitely think the extroverted students going into the pandemic where everything was remote was a lot tougher on them um, because these were the students that loved the social interactions, were probably meeting up with friends after school um, in between breaks and then, you know, they just didn't have it anymore. So I think it was probably extremely hard for them to navigate. Um, how do I now communicate with my friends and keep those relationships? Um, because we weren't really going out much. So I think a huge thing I noticed too was almost that in order to still maintain those relationships, a lot of those relationships, we were spending more time on technology in that case. So I know something called back in the pandemic, and I use it too, was called house party. Um, there was Facebook Messenger, video calls. So all of those combined, it was like we were grabbing any form of social media platform that we could get to still maintain those relationships and communicate with our friends. And even with video games, I've heard a lot of parents and students talk about gaming as that way of like the extroverted students still having that connection with others. But now I think what really took place was throughout the night, these students would just be gaming. So yeah. just... So I think that's where it really went into that time management, um, struggles with yeah. consistent sleep schedules, because they were pretty much sacrificing sleep to stay up all night to kind of keep that con some sort of social connection. But it was unfortunately it had to be through video gaming. So I think that was a huge change for them coming into that into the pandemic. Right. Um, and I think, yeah. That makes so much sense because I think, gosh, I even remember like doing Zoom parties and yes. trying to learn how to do house party. And, and sometimes when I look back to that video, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we did all that. But I think that was a great adaptation that, um, you know, people who were more resilient at the beginning of COVID could find different platforms to stay connected, to stay in circulation but I think what I hear you saying is that it almost became too much of a good thing because then it ended in ended up indulging kind of this social world virtually and there's nobody kind of like knocking at your door saying, okay, come on, we're leaving, you know, your ride, you know, you got your ride to go to school. Um, and of course, parents were overwhelmed, right, in terms of trying to figure out how to run their businesses from their home and so everything got blurry didn't it and and so then I think what I hear you saying is that then students just started losing as most of us did like track of time absolutely yes I think that's exactly what it was like track of losing track of time going into more procrastination um, that less energy was kind of coming in as well. So yes, definitely. So did you see a dip in your students with like the reduced grades? Like, did you see academic performance going down or what happened? So it really, it was a range really of students. Um, but yes, I definitely did hear a lot of students report as well as parents reporting um, academic grades going down. 
Um, and once again, a huge portion of that was because students just, for some reason, they weren't able to get their tasks done. They knew how to do it. And a yeah. lot of times I would ask my students, is what like is a concern that you need that extra help? Do you not understand? Um, and it was almost like, no, we get it. We just can't bring ourselves to do it. It's like, I can't get myself to wake up in the mornings. I, some students even said they couldn't even like, get themselves to physically go to school some days. Yeah. Um, so yes, academic, uh, academic performance was dropping for sure for a majority of students. I'd say I noticed, um, yeah. a huge part of that. Yes. Yeah. So I think what started happening, I mean, we saw increased addiction, increased conflicts. And what I think I hear you saying is about the, the lack of like increased lack of motivation and procrastination, mm -hmm. because I mean, it's just the, the accountability isn't the same virtually, I mean, adults at a different cognitive level can sometimes, you know, it's it's easier uh, to make that jump. Um, but to be accountable on a virtual platform is just so different because because nobody's ringing your computer. You, you have to log on. You have to get into the virtual classroom. Um, so the accountability is is lower. And so I think this is kind of what snowballed during COVID is even you know and again like you said it's not about intelligence it's not about understanding the material it's about getting to the material yes. Yes. uh so we all got i don't know maybe there's a term out there covid laziness i don't know <laughs> but i think for it's all possible us, yeah and so then that just snowballed because i think what happens then is then you can have secondary anxiety because then you see Probably, I don't know, we, we should, there should be an experiment about this, about if, if they were able to log on the grades, you know, if we, if we looked at those, those graphs, you know, as, as overall, like, obviously not for everybody, but overall, there may have been a reduction in performance, lack of motivation, higher procrastination. And then, of course, probably I'm guessing what you saw was then like that snowball effect, because for any of us, when we get that negative feedback back, it will just reduce our motivation further. Yes, absolutely. And I think another thing that was kind of tied to it was then parental pressures that were kind of slowly coming in as well, I think, because when those grades were dropping parents were kind of getting more concerned about you know what's what's going on for my like my child why aren't they doing well um I, when i see them at home all they're doing is gaming they don't want to do work and their performance is decreasing and i think with those parental pressures students were kind of feeling even more overwhelmed in those moments of so course. now with feeling overwhelmed it was like they were even more kind of resistant to kind of getting the work done going to school they just felt like you know their parents were on them yeah. Um, and I think that's where that, you know, is kind of like that's like you said, the snowball effect kind of keeps going. Yeah, exactly. Let's zoom in on like where we're at now, because coming into the fall of 2022, most educational institutions have pivoted in some way uh, in terms of different policies that were created at all levels, whether it was elementary, secondary, post-secondary, and, and they opened their doors fully and students were back in residence and back in in-person classrooms for the most part. Um, and so tell me more about what you uh, were talking about earlier around this second take, like what it then meant to change back to in-person. What, what happened? So I think 
really, I mean, it's kind of, and I remember a lot of people saying, okay, we're slowly getting back to our normal. Um, yeah. And that's how people were referring to it, right? Like we, the past two years was like something abnormal, obviously for all of us. And now we're kind of returning back to that, what life was prior to two right. years ago. Um, and a lot of times I actually did hear a lot of positives. Um, you know, I think just having that back to school in person, having social interactions with teachers, peers, friends, like you said, returning to dorms, being able to move, like live away from home once again. There was a lot of support in those areas from teachers, parents. Um, so I did see the positives in the sense where, you know, uh, yes, individuals who had the pre-existing anxiety, it was a little tougher for them to kind of get back to that routine. But I know after a few months, they were also happy to kind of have that interaction with even their close friends again, just like whether that was catching up for like a coffee or anything like that. Yeah, and then obviously definitely. our extroverts, also were like they were back into you know their normal where they were back to like going out with friends hanging out after school um and something i did notice as well was parents actually were very empathetic by the whole situation mm -hmm. so just like kind of going back i saw a lot of parents being very patient and understanding that yes my child needs that extra support um to kind of get back into a routine but very very supportive and that's a huge part i was seeing like parents themselves were talk, speaking with their child openly and then reaching out to, you know, me or you or like therapists in general to kind of get that extra support because they were right. acknowledging that COVID took a big toll on their child and, you know, they needed support, which was I like I loved seeing that it was it was really great. Um, I think another hard part might have just been once again, kind of getting back into that flow, that routine of physically getting out of bed, getting back into school. Um, and just kind of reemphasizing that social anxiety, the consistent routine. Um, that was kind of what I was seeing as a whole, um, kind of returning back now in this fall semester. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just going back to what you were saying, like for people who were more resilient, people who were more adaptable, this is, you know, we were, we were all celebrating being back out to, to the real world and, yeah, I know it's kind of like, what is normal anymore? But I do understand, you know, kind of getting back to how we remember things yes. used to be. And and I and I remember uh, seeing on social media, all of like the attendance at these events were just like through the roof. And um, even last night, I saw a post about the distillery Christmas market. Oh, yeah. And uh, they had like, and I know that's always been a, you know, popular event, but I forget what the post said. It said something like record, you know, attendance at the tree lighting, you know, and it's like people are just so excited to be back out there. So there is that whole segment of the population that completely benefited from kind of the return to what we thought was normal. Um, but but what about that population that you were talking about earlier around how COVID indulged their anxiety, they were almost too comfortable with being able to be lowering their social pressures. And I can only imagine what it was like for them to be like, okay, we're back in circulation and, um, and regressing almost during COVID because they were so comfortable with the isolation. Tell me about those students, what happened? Yeah, so I think with those students, I I think something I noticed was they were still able to kind of have a bit of that balance um, where it was remote and also like having to go back in class. So yes, 
I think that anxiety, like levels of anxiety did increase for students who had the, you know, who struggled with going back, um, primarily because they had to physically get back into school, meet like yeah. all these people around them. So yes, that increased their levels of anxiety because it was like, oh my goodness, there's so many people around me again. Oh my goodness, I need to socialize or oh my goodness, why aren't I able to form new relationships in their head? That was a big concern. But really it was, they had pre-existing notions of anxiety. So making those new friends as it is was a little bit uncomfortable for them. And then now after two years of being remote, they almost felt like, okay, is this what I'm supposed to do now that we're remote? Like, do I start making, forming all these new relationships? And then also it was like, you know, like students who were entering first year of university or second year, actually, because first year was remote. So going into second year, if you didn't really know anyone in your program and other people already had made friends, then you felt even more of a pressure. You were like, okay, I've come back to school and I noticed all these groups already formed. Where do I go from here? Right. Um, that makes so and, much sense. I mean, this is why they have orientation at universities. Yes. Right? I mean, yes. they do it in high school. I think high schools even started doing a summer credit the year before you start grade mm -hmm. nine. Um, so that students could could see the school and, you know, so these orientations are like have been part of the educational curriculum for a reason, not just academically, but mostly for social reasons. Right. Mm -hmm. So so I can only imagine what that's like if, yeah, you kind of jump over, you miss out on all those first year orientations. Now you're in second year you're in residence or you're on campus and it's like that whole first year orientation has been like taken away from you and yet you're expected to be successful and excelling and have a friend group it's it's a very unusual experience for that group yeah and I think the difference that I noticed between the extroverted students and you know the introverted students is the fact that while we were remote even say extroverted first year students they still put that effort to kind of connect with groups so uh whether that was through uh social media platforms whereas our introverts are already so kind of hesitant to do so um mm -hmm. in person so even it was not something that really they did like you said they more of indulged in having that right. own personal space so it was like all our extroverted students who kind of came into second year, they had these little groups already formed. So meeting in person was almost like a huge win for them. Whereas our introverted students who may not have done that, they're kind of starting over. So technically their second year is their first year to form all these relationships. Yeah, and it must be even harder because they're displaced. Because if the extroverted students, despite not having like the in-person orientation, still found their way somehow, mm -hmm. uh, you know, flash forward, we're into the second year. And and so now, you know, the more introverted or depressed or anxious students are completely displaced from that whole process. Yeah, it, it's in, incredible. And, uh, and I think this kind of raises the whole idea of, I think that if we looked at risk factors, right, in terms of the students now in 2022 going into 2023 would be pre-existing anxiety, pre-existing depression, if there's any addictive or compulsive or learning issues, those are kind of the more higher risk population students we need to be really focusing our efforts on. And I would also add to that group, um, students going through any transitions, whether you're, you were starting kindergarten, whether you're starting high school, starting a new post-secondary. And then the other day I heard somebody talk about 
um, they said something like, um, oh yeah, graduating in COVID, right? So there's this whole other transition of students who, who finished uh, university during COVID and then started either a remote job or were looking for work. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, now it's back to in-person work. So I think the transitions at any of those stages would also increase the risk for some of the mental health issues that we sometimes see in our clinic, because during the change, there was another change. Um, it, it just demanded so much of the students, didn't it? Yes, for sure. Definitely. I think, like you said, like COVID definitely affected pretty much all of us um, to some extent with regarding whatever transition we made. But I think really it impacted, you know, our teenagers and young adults because they're at this very crucial stage in their life where they're really going through these important changes, important uh, life transitions. They're going through emotional development, um, different social relationships are formed. Um, these are the years where, you know, our self-esteem is at the top, our competence, we put all those pressures on ourselves. So really, yeah, um, definitely that age group has been dealing with a lot. Yeah, that's a good point because adults struggled enough with COVID, but at least in their, in their life developmental stages, you know, they weren't going through all of those changes, but you're right. Like students yeah. from, you know, from, from four to 24 are, are going through all those developmental stages of trust, control, self-worth, you know, identity. And how do I master all those stages when there's so much external pressure? So that's a good point. I mean, I'm kind of bracing myself. I starting, I have a huge influx of referrals from December to January. Pre-COVID this happened. We called it the December dropout, you know, and this was a time where I would get a lot of calls from students or parents who could not make it past the first term of post-secondary. Um, and I always see that influx. So I, I'm bracing myself to see what's going to be happening in the next two months in our clinic because it, that was already a high-risk time uh, when students couldn't keep up. And I, I won't be surprised if those numbers are even higher than whatever we're calling normal. Yeah. So for students or parents who might be listening into this podcast, what, what advice do you have for students who are facing these struggles? Again, uh, we're, I guess, isolating that population that may be less resilient for a number of reasons that we talked about. What are some of the key tips you would give them to, to try and manage the change? And I should, I guess, preface this because at this time, we're all also facing kind of rotating strikes with the TDSV. So I know for students, it's kind of like, yeah, we're back to in-person. No, we're not. Yes, we are. You know, it, it just is mind boggling. But uh, anyway, what tips might you have? Yeah, so I think at the heart of it all, a tip I would definitely have for students and parents is definitely use the supports around you, um, especially for students. I think whether that's a close friend, whether that's your parent, whether that's your therapist, um, whoever you're close to, I think definitely use that support. I think sometimes we underestimate the people that care about us in our life and are really there for us and, you know, want the best for us. So I think just having, even if that's one or two support, someone you can go to, whether that's just to talk about what's going on for you, how did the changes impact you, what's been going on at school with social relationships, 
I would say have that in your back pocket for sure. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of actually going, you know, head on with school, dealing with academic pressures, the time management, I think having a consistent routine is definitely something to kind of work towards. Once you have that little bit of a consistent routine, whether that's a day-to-day -day planner, I'm sure, you know, in school, most of us have agendas as an example, or, you know, one of those big calendars on the wall. I know I used to love using those. Mm. Um, I would definitely say kind of have that as well. Like just try to break down your days as simple as possible. That works best for you. So, you know, you're not feeling so overwhelmed all at once with like exams or tasks that are coming your way. Um, another thing is, once again, ask for help, whether that's extra help from teachers, you need a tutor, um, because if that's just, I don't understand a specific subject like math or science, for example, there's nothing wrong with getting that extra help. So if you need it, definitely ask for that extra support. Um, and I'd say self-care is a huge, huge part of it. Self-care and self-talk is definitely what I encourage with all the students I work with. Um, and a lot of students are just everyday, like people are like, some care, like, you know, that's hard. It's hard to think about yourself. But I noticed so many times the way they talk about their friends and helping their friends or what their friends do, they're so passionate about it. I'm like, hold on, hold on. If you're so <laughs> passionate and encouraging yeah. self-care and others, why don't we love ourselves like even a little right. bit? Right. Yeah, um, and they're like, good for them, oh. but not for us. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they'll actually stop for a second and be like, oh yeah, like, you're right. Like, why don't I do that for myself? So a lot of times with self-care, it's as simple as, you know, taking that 20 minute walk outside. I know it's getting a little colder now, but if you bundle up, um, just take a little bit of change of scenery, whether that's in your backyard, a nice 20 minute outdoor walk. Um, try to get back into that consistent sleep schedule. Try to get off your electronics as hard as it is, like, you know, an hour before bed, maybe read a book instead. Do a nice thought calming practice. Uh, there's a lot of definitely online too, like with uh, self practices that you can look up as well. Um, take care of yourself. That's like the main thing. And along with that, I'd say self-talk. A lot of times I noticed my students were putting themselves down. They felt like they weren't doing enough. They felt like they just constantly weren't, you know, whether that was meeting parent expectations, meeting their own expectations, meeting their peer expectations. I think a huge part was try to kind of encourage yourself. I know there are days where it's really tough, but I really encourage that positive self-talk, whether that's once a day saying something good that went well for you, something that's really working out for you, something exciting that you did. Um, just keep encouraging that and kind of take it from there, I'd say. Um, yeah. A combination of really all of that. Great. I love what you're saying. So it's like part of it is external in terms of like not forgetting who cares about us and supports. I really love these academic tips that you're giving because the idea of having a schedule, like a lot of people, it's like when I talk to people about budgets or like, oh, you know, but actually as we get into budgeting, it's like it actually empowers you because you're like, OK, now I'm taking charge of this. I feel like that could be the same for the students where a schedule doesn't have to be like a four letter word. It can be like, OK, so I know what I'm doing. So I love that recommendation for like the, the one day per page uh, planner, because that allows students, whether it's a digital or paper agenda, you can really block out, right, what you want to be working on. And it's almost like every time you get an assignment or have to study for something, you should just go right into your planner and block that. And um, and I think what I'm hearing with the self-care is the discipline that's required for that, whether it's about 
like sleep cycle can be so tricky to change. It's almost, sometimes I recommend like almost changing at 30 minutes a week, like doing it that slowly, if there's any problems with your sleep cycle. Um, and even the discipline of like taking that 30 or 20 minute walk, you know? Um, so yeah, some of the discipline that we almost have to teach ourselves again, as we come out of the, uh, virtual world. And, um, finally, I really love what you're saying about self-talk. Cause I know, I know for us with our work, right, Janice, it's, we, we still believe there's still a gold standard out there for the cognitive parts of our program, because whether we're dealing with anger or anxiety or depression, like until you think differently, you don't feel differently. Until you feel differently, you don't do differently. So the daily practice of just being aware and procrastination. I want to do another podcast with you about this because I think it's a huge issue out there. Um, and what we call at KG and Associates, stinky thinking. Yeah. And stinky thinking of procrastination is like one of the biggest, uh, I think we see with our students. So the idea of how we trick ourselves to put things off. And I think, you know, the pandemic just had a party with that type of stinky thinking because, you know, there was actually really no place to be. Uh, so I can see how that would be helpful. So, and before we close off, what about parents? Uh, what do you want to say to parents who are listening, who, who might be concerned right now, like as we head into December, they may already, I think report cards went out on a lot of different institutions in the past couple of weeks. And what, what would you say to parents who are, who are seeing those report cards for the first time back in in-person learning and seeing their students, you know, marks going down, what what should parents be doing? Yeah, so I think right off the bat, the first thing that came to my mind was also kind of encouraging parents for that self-care portion. I think a lot of parents also, along with their students, with their back and forth transition from like normal to pandemic to back to somewhat normal has also taken a toll on them. Like you said, having to find babysitters or their children constantly at home. Now their kids are back to school, but now they're not doing so well academically so I think parents too like they went along for this ride with their kids exactly. uh, so parents like the same way I recommended self-care for our students I would also recommend it for you take that little bit of a break in your day before you know you approach your child for a conversation maybe um, I would say also like right off the bat if you look at a report card and your child didn't do so well rather than kind of reacting right away maybe kind of take a little bit of space for yourself process it yourself and then Maybe have that sit down conversation with your child, but I'd say rather than playing that blame game or feeling like they're not doing enough, maybe just have that open conversation. Try to understand like, where is this coming from? What has changed in your child's life that's like made this different? Because something I noticed too, a lot of parents were telling me their children prior to COVID were doing like extremely well, like A, a students, A, B plus students. So now when these students are kind of getting like low B, Cs, or like not even wanting to go to school, parents are like, what happened to my child? They were like yeah. on the ball with these things. So I think, yeah, if that's the case, like there's something underlying. So kind of get to know what that is. Um, and then same thing, I've been noticing, like I said, a lot of parents I have noticed have been more empathetic, patient, understanding and getting that support for their child as well as themselves. And that's why they reach out to us. Um, so I say keep doing that. There's always support. Um, if you need that extra support for your family, your child, I'd say definitely right. 
reach out and do that. Yeah, that makes so much sense. This is almost like what you're saying happened to the students paralleled with the parents, right? And they probably just kind of like fed off each other and it, it just kind of kept yeah. going back and forth. And, it, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, when you're when you're traveling, uh, as we're traveling again, uh, you know, they always say, and if you're traveling with a young child, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself and everybody's like, what? No, I have to like save my child, you know, but it's like, like, how are we taking care of ourselves will be a huge deal in terms of how we actually show up for our, with our kids. So yeah, I, I love think, that comparison. Yeah, it, it, it fits, right? And it never kind of gets old that, that, uh, you know, that example. And I think it's so easy for any of us um, to get so frustrated. Yeah. And we, I think parents start to feel helpless, don't they? About yes. like, yeah. oh my gosh, like if I could do the work for you, I would, you know, um, and not knowing how to help. So it's like, it just snowballs. Cause then if I mismanage that frustration, then it actually demotivates my students. Yes. And then we're off to the races. So, so yeah, I love the idea of parents doing their own self-talk program uh, to make sure that they're managing that frustration in a way that's going to be more helpful. So okay. great. Well, thanks so much for coming in, Janice. And uh, that's our straight talk for mental health around chapter two of the pandemic and how to help students as we as we're into the fall and winter of 2022 2023 and i look forward to talking with you again and um we'll talk about some topics that are relevant for our community thanks again absolutely thanks karen